Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Return to the Lord your God. These are the words that greet us each year on this day, Ash Wednesday, the first day of the season of Lent. Return to the Lord your God. How do you hear those words this evening? Do you hear them with perhaps some feelings of guilt? Perhaps the sort of guilt that you feel when you know you've been away too long. You haven't checked in on mom or dad recently. You haven't visited grandma as much as you'd like. Perhaps you've said to yourself recently, it's been a while since I've cracked my Bible and gotten into the habit of reading it. It's been a while since I've prayed, since I've talked with God. Return to the Lord your God. Perhaps as you hear these words, what comes to mind is physical proximity. This has been a strange and a hard year. And at times, we've all found ourselves isolated to some degree. Has that isolation included absence from the church building? Absence from other Christians? Absence from the assurance of Jesus' real presence with us, which we receive in the Lord's Supper? We were made for life together. This past year has made that difficult. Perhaps as you hear these words, you long for a return to a more robust experience of life together as the body of Christ. Hugs and potlucks included. Return to the Lord your God. Maybe you hear these words tonight as someone who has looked for help in a bunch of different directions these past months. You've looked for security or happiness or peace by chasing money or supporting a political movement or simply by escaping through whatever might be on the screen in your living room. And you may not be ready to admit it, but that search has not yet been rewarded. The prophet Joel writes, Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and weeping, and mourning, And rend your heart, and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. These are the words of the prophet Joel, who addresses God's people some 800 years before the coming of Jesus. The first chapter of Joel gives us a bit of context into what he is addressing. It's a devastating locust invasion that has either just happened or is about to happen to God's people, to the Israelites. From there, Joel's words turn to the future, to an even greater event that can be a source of great terror as well, especially for those who are not prepared. 
the end of the world, the last day, that day which Joel calls the day of the Lord. Caught between these two potentially devastating events, what is a person to do? Perhaps such a situation isn't as foreign to us this year as it has been in the past. This past year, many people have experienced physical sickness or financial disaster because of COVID and our attempts to limit its spread. And then you come here to church tonight and you're reminded that there is yet another plague that infects us all. And given enough time, it will get every single one of us. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And with that return to the dust, also comes an appointment before the judgment seat of God, our perfect and holy Creator, to whom all must give an account. Like the ancient Israelites, we experience present pressure and a future fate that we cannot escape. Vaccines and stimulus checks and expanded unemployment benefits might be helpful a little bit in the present, but they don't get to the root of the real problem, the dust you are and to dust you shall return problem. What's a person to do? Where are we to turn? Joel's answer is as simple as it is humbling. Return to the Lord your God. It's simple. It's God calling us to trust in him again, to know his love, which has been there all along, even if we've turned our backs and forgotten it for a while. Ultimately, it's a call to turn to Jesus, who goes to the cross for us. But at the same time, the call is humbling, because in returning to the Lord, we are turning away from ourselves, turning away from self-reliance. We're admitting that we don't have what it takes. Ultimately, we are admitting that the dust we are and to dust we shall return problem is one of our making, that we are responsible for the mess that we are in. It's a painful admission, but it's the only way to freedom. Moreover, return to the Lord is a call that goes out to everyone. No one is exempt. The locust invasion of Joel's day would have left no one unaffected. When an army of insects wipes out your food supply, that's a pretty big deal for everybody. Joel writes these words, starting in verse 15. He says, Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach. 
byword among the nations? Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? You get a feel for the urgency of this call. The whole congregation, all the people are called to assemble at once and cry out to God. The old people, the elders, the young people, the children, even the nursing babies, the newly married, the priests. It's as if God is saying, regardless of your current life circumstance, young or old, mourning or celebrating, you cannot afford to put this off. The time to turn to me is now. You may be struggling. You may feel pretty good about things. Don't let your present circumstance distract you from the desperation of your true condition. Dust, you are. And because of the cancer of sin that lives inside of you, to dust you shall return. Your struggles with anger, with lust, with greed, with bitterness, with, ap- with apathy. They're all symptoms which should assure you and me that the problem indeed is real. And if it's left unaddressed, it will destroy us. But as desperate as our condition is, our hope is even greater. For the one who calls us to turn to him is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He abounds in loving kindness. And he relents of evil. That doesn't just mean that God will stop from doing the painful thing that he had planned to do to us. It's like a a parent withholding the discipline that maybe the child thinks they ought to have gotten. That's not all that's in that language of relenting from evil. In Jesus, we find out it goes far beyond that. Our God is able to stop evil in its tracks. He's able to reverse its effects. He's able to redeem it. And even use it for good. That's what this season is all about. It's a march to the cross. Where the dust-to-dust curse will collide with the Lord of life. Jesus enters our story. He stands in our place. He puts the gracious and compassionate character of God on full display. As he welcomes and he forgives and he heals And then, to defeat evil and the dust-to-dust curse once and for all, he allows it to exhaust itself on him. He dies as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And with that sin, he takes away our slavery, our slavery to death. Because of Jesus, dust-to-dust is not the end of your story. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. His and ours. This is the promise. This is the hope for all those who return to the Lord their God.
May God grant us his Holy Spirit in the weeks to come, that in our returning to the Lord, we would come to know more and more the depth and the fullness of his love for us and his love for all. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep our hearts and minds today and always in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our King. Amen.